things are about to go oh, very, no. very far south for Daniel Bryan. This is like deja vu from last week all over again. He's back! Marching straight from the mouth of hell, the devil's favorite demon has returned. As if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Welcome everyone, it's John Pollock and Wei Ting. This is Rewind a Smackdown, coming at you on this late Tuesday night. Uh, for many of you, Wednesday. Uh, for some of you, maybe you're listening to this years down the road because you wanted to go back in time and find that episode of Smackdown that Allison Bree showed up on and you wanted to hear our reaction that night, so many years before Allison Bree became uh, the first female president of the, Uni- the United States. <laughs> um, who knows? Who knows? Very possible. Anything's possible these days. She wasn't on the last time they did a Glow uh, cameo, did No, they? she wasn't. Yeah. And Kia Stevens was yeah. the last time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of... I have actually started watching the second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I did get a, the screener uh, copies in advance. And even watching the second season where they've introduced some new people, like, there were some unknown faces there in that lineup of right. people. Um, they did introduce one of the girls that they just introduced uh, is, is in there, but I was scanning it. I was like, it was hard to even recognize some of the ones that were in season one outside mm-hmm. of Alison Brie, who I guess really it was Alison Brie. This whole segment was built and written for her and the others were like her cheerleaders. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, a lot of them look very different, but um, like from their real life characters or real life selves and their characters. But how, how is the season so far without getting too... Well, I've only watched one episode. Okay. Uh, the first episode, um, man, Sam Sylvia is a real dick. Mm. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Way and I uh, went over this on our post production video last week. That uh, in two weeks' time, two weeks after Glow comes out, which is this Friday, Way and I are going to do uh, one of our uh, Friday bonus shows reviewing the whole season. Mm-hmm. So we will tackle the whole thing. We're going to give everyone two weeks to watch it. And uh, yeah, so you can look forward to that. Yeah, and that'll be replacing the Marvel Marvel review this month. And uh, it'll be a pretty insane month uh, between that and also the G1 review. So we're going to delay the Marvel reviews until August. Yeah, and just a quick recap on the, on the G1. Uh, we're doing a G1 primer show with WH Park joining the two of us. That will be out Wednesday, July the 11th, just a few days before the G1 starts. And then Wei and I will be doing uh, shows for all... Of the G1. All 19 shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have some friends pop in uh, every now and then. Uh, but between you and I, we will be tackling all of them. And that those shows are going to be available for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So it is a, I, I think, well worth uh, your $6 for the month for the G1 Insanity uh, with 19 shows. All 19 shows won't be taking place in July, though. They will be They do go between... into August. Yes. Yes. Uh, July and August. How does it work? If I sign up on July 14th, do you have to... If you sign up on the 14th, um, you don't get charged until August. Wow, what a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Yeah, the, it, Patreon, the way Patreon works is like, 
you sign up, you don't get, I mean, it depends on the person and it depends on, on the Patreon creator. Like we can make the option to charge people up front, but I, I'd rather just like, I trust people, you know. You know what? Like, if, if you sign up I, July 14th and by August 1st, you're not happy with it, then we're not doing something that exactly, you want whatever. to be spending yeah. money on. I'm extremely confident in what we put out that it is worth the six a month uh, so there you go people have been so cool like i don't worry about that stuff at all so so anyway july 14th to august 12th it is yeah. g1 insanity and how insane we have a button on the <laughs> post wrestling you know it's site. serious when we put a button up there way i'm a big fan of these buttons <laughs> yeah. uh, way slaved all day long oh on monday God. to get this button up in time oh, just so geez. when we put up the podcast on monday we could promote this button <laughs> What I, what I like is that you managed to take a screenshot and with your incredible Photoshop skills, you've added a circle circling around the button to highlight this button on your social media. Okay, I tweeted that out when I did the four steps. Yeah. I attached that photo and the photo didn't go out with it. So huh. the fourth one is, plus we have a button and it's supposed to have this great photo with oh, my Photoshop man. skills Damn. with a Z and uh, didn't go out. So it got I got on Facebook. I, well, I reposted it. I was very oh. happy with this. Excellent, excellent. Green was not the best color, but I thought I thought of green. Perfect. Uh, but that is, of course, a, a link to our G1 contest, which, uh, do you know how many entrants we have so far? I didn't get an update, and I failed to uh, give a big thank you to Chris Engler, who is handling this and running this. He has done our Royal Rumble pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, big thank you to Chris Engler. Uh, I don't know. I've heard from people... Uh, anecdotally, who have uh, joined the contest, but I don't know a number. So you have until July 12th at midnight to submit all your picks for all of the G1 matches. Uh, You can click the button or just type in postwrestling.com forward slash G1. Oh, man, we already have 120 responses. Oh, wow. In 24 hours. That's incredible. uh, Yeah, uh, just grab a cup of coffee and sit down and go through every single match that's going to take place in the G1 in your head. Predict who do you think is going to win, who's going to upset whom. How many draws will there be? It's a great way to get yourself ready for the G1. I think just filling it out, you're going to start thinking about all these scenarios Mm -hmm. and different ideas. Like, it's a really cool tournament and lends itself to, um, you know, fun stuff like this Mm -hmm. as well. So uh, that's stuff we we mentioned on Monday. Uh, I also uh, wanted to thank everyone for the feedback to uh, the stuff we did on Vader last week uh, that got a lot of positive response from people. And uh, and a thank you to you, Way. I would not have been able to do that without you. Oh so, my God! Thank it was you. very minimal, like my contributions. It really... Way Way interviewed Jim Ross and Bret Hart. And if I if if you hadn't have done those, I wouldn't have been able to do those yeah. interviews uh, with my setup that day. Well, it was with a lot of guidance from John, and really, I mean, it, it, they they weren't very intense interviews, but. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say fun because it's the, the, of, the, of the terrible subject matter, of course, covering somebody's passing. But um, the fact that, you know, like it is kind of somewhat uh, energizing to, to try to get something out really quickly in a short amount of time when, when news hits. So, yeah, I, I thought yeah. those, those, those two days, it was nonstop Vader stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought we did a really good job with the, the coverage uh, of his mm-hmm. passing and, and putting that together. That, uh, that audio thing, I, I did not think I would finish that. I can't time. believe you did that like that quickly with with all the other stuff that we were doing that day too. Yeah, there was the Wednesday because the news came out on the Wednesday, yeah. and that was the day you did those interviews. I did some interviews and was putting it together. And by the time I got home, I was going to sit down to start that. My brain was mush. I had to just disengage and go for a long walk, and then tackle it again Thursday, which was mm-hmm. I, I was. I had renewed energy on Thursday. 
Anyway, so that was uh, that was all last week. Uh, we're going to review SmackDown, and then after SmackDown, uh, I did get a chance to listen to Enzo's interview on the Steve Austin podcast Tuesday. So I'll go through that and kind of bring you up to speed with what Enzo said on the podcast, and some quick notes on the second night of the WWE UK tournament. There was a lot consumed on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Uh, but let us get into SmackDown, which was built up all week long. Uh, or at least the last couple of days, around a match involving Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura. And in the afternoon, they posted an update that Shinsuke Nakamura has not been medically cleared. He was pulled from the Monday night house show for SmackDown. And our friends at PWInsider.com getting to the bottom of this. And this was something else. Quote, we have been told by several sources that the incident... uh, Sorry... PWInsider.com noted earlier that it was an injury suffered during an incident where he was bit by a dog, leading to WWE not clearing him to perform in the ring. According to what we were told, a law enforcement dog was being brought around the building as part of a pre-show security check. The dog was brought past Nakamura. We are told the dog sniffed Nakamura and then, without provocation, proceeded to bite him on the leg. As a medical medical precaution, WWE pulled Nakamura from last night's live event where he was slated to work a main event fatal four-way bout. And, (laughs) man, this was the payoff to the kettle from hell all those years later. Wow. Could you imagine that? Uh, What... The, the amount of jokes that I'm sure uh, have already been made about this story, uh, I'm sure, are are numerous. Um, But what... Like, of all the people back there working for this company that this dog could have bit <laughs> choosing to bite one of the top stars of the show who's in a promoted main event the next night uh that that's some terrible luck and <laughs> and really does it raise suspicion about one shinsuke nakamura well first of all i mean they said they're a pre-show security check i mean that's that's pretty intense for a house show that we've got dog sniffers in the back hmm. uh, for, at a house show um yeah, I just imagine Vince hearing this and giving, giving like a new Matilda to Shinsuke. Oh wow! For his own enjoyment. Yeah, wow, that'd be quite the. Uh... Hmm. So apparently, well, you know, I, it doesn't sound like he has rabies or anything. So this seems it's not like, for a police dog. Yeah, he'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, yeah it's just. That have you ever been bitten by a dog? I have not, thankfully. I've been bitten by a one-year-old. Oh, did you get your shots? I actually got all my shots before. You know what was funny was that before having the baby, I had to go for all these shots. Sorry, when you said you were bitten by a one-year-old, are you I'm talking, cho- I'm talking about my own child. Okay, who's not one yet, but will be one. Eleven months and uh, two weeks. Gotcha. So we we are very close. So he's uh, how many teeth does he have? He has like eight teeth. Wow. Yeah, and he can bite. <laughs> he the other day he he bit my leg so hard the teeth marks <laughs> that were left. I took a picture of it. Wow. I was like, oh my god. He just bites, mm. and it's practice. Yeah, that's like our. We're we're not like, we don't give him like rules and stuff because he's <laughs> he's not even one. Mm-hmm. But no biting is what we say a lot to him. Mm. That's like our one rule. It's just no biting. No biting. Please no biting. Yeah, because he bites very hard. That's a good first lesson. Yes. Um. Anyway, so that brings us up to speed. <laughs> uh. Hopefully Shinsuke is recovering. Mm-hmm. Show started off with Ms. TV. Who immediately took a shot at Jurassic World. No, I have not seen it. Have you? Doesn't sound great. No? No. I'll watch it. I mean, I, I, I've been planning to is watch this, it. Is uh, 
A reboot of Jurassic Park, no, no, or is no, no, this no. in continuation of? It is in continuation, yeah. I was done by Jurassic Park 3. I thought that was the stupidest well, movie. Well, yeah. I, I love the first one. Yeah, yeah. The subsequent, like the original sequels I hear don't really uh, stack up too well. Uh, actually, I've seen them. They don't stack up too well. But I thought the, the Chris Pratt one that came out uh, most recently before this one, I thought was quite decent. I did not see that, oh, okay. the Chris Pratt one. He calls Luke Harper and Eric Rowan two... Holy, two woolly mammoth carnivores, and brings them out coming off of last week's angle where they they help Miz get the win over Daniel Bryan, and he says that all three of them showed how easy it was to dismantle Bryan and quizzed the Bludgeon Brothers on why they attacked Bryan, and Miz broke this down from last week into a three act play, with the first act being Bryan's promo with Renee, and omitting. Brian's diss on The Miz when he said, I'm going to take on three of the best wrestlers in the world. And then Act 2 featured uh, Gallows and uh, Anderson losing to the Bludgeon Brothers, and then the Bludgeon Brothers meeting up with Brian in the aisle, and Act 3 being their attack later on uh, when Brian was in the ring and Miz gets his win. So he offers the Bludgeon Brothers a spot as the new Miz Taraj, and they could win Best Supporting... Uh, Mizzy Awards. Or they could have grip roles in Rough, Rough, Ref. Um, Which is not a real movie. No, but Miz is really pushing this thing, so it's probably going to end up as some, like, WWE.com digital stupidity. More people will watch that than the Marine 5. Maybe starring Shinsuke's new sidekick. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the feud. Yeah. The the star of Rough, Rough, Ref, who's (laughs) running wild backstage. Mm, wow. Daniel Bryan comes out, tells Miz to shut up, and that the Bludgeon Brothers cost him a chance at the championship, and size is not as important as heart. Nor lungs. No. Nor legs. No. Lungs, legs, heart. The Holy Trinity. He's not afraid of any of them, and asks which one of you is going to fight me first. And Luke Harper takes him up on this challenge, and with visions of half Nelson suplexes dancing in my head, this match was signed for later tonight. As Daniel Bryan's neck would take on Luke Harper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I thought The Miz's uh, three-act play promo worked pretty well here. I I do like the feud of the Bludgeon Brothers taking on Bryan t- as a way to basically be a placeholder for Bryan up until the match with The Miz at SummerSlam, which is what my prediction is. Um, it's not Daniel Bryan versus just one giant. It's him versus two. And as we'll see from the end of this show... Uh, I, I really do like the direction that that feud is taking. And Miz, this entire time, is still in the background waiting for him, and they're not letting you forget about that. New Day was in the back with their booty sidekick, who takes some pancakes and blend, puts them in a blender to make a pancake milkshake, which Graves has a fit over, stating, why would you liquefy pancakes, which just reduce them right back to batter? That's not true. I don't think that works like that. I've never tried. I don't know what the viscosity would be like. It, uh, you can't. It doesn't just turn back into batter. It it turns into mush. It sounds gross. Yeah. I would never want to drink this, which Xavier Woods did. Mm-hmm. The pancake milkshake, which I'm imagining exists in some hillbilly carnival out there. Oh, yeah. Probably the C and E. They always come up with that crazy food that you understand why mm-hmm. there's such a weight issue out there. Yeah, sure. The New Day came out, and Aiden English rhymed, Xavier Woods 
having a waffle because everyone thinks his pancakes are awful. So clearly a, a Chucky e. T reference here to the awful waffle. Oh, right. Yes. Xavier Woods took on Rusev and they are now promoting AJ Styles title reign as the longest WWE title reign in five years. Now, everyone is going to remember that, of course, the longest one beyond five years was CM Punk uh, prior to Bruno, of course, or after Bruno. But do you know which record AJ just surpassed to now be the longest since Punk? Mm. Who had the longest after Punk? Dean Ambrose? WWE title? No. Hmm. You're, we're, we're not talking uh, universal. No, this is the WWE lineage. Let me think about this. Uh, in the five years since Punk, I have to say, maybe... Hmm. On the roster. It, uh, the person is on the roster. Okay. For now. I'm, I'm, I have such a bad, terrible short-term memory. Uh, give me a hint. Um... He is the longest reigning Universal Champion. Brock. Yes. Oh. Okay. Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2014 till Seth Rollins cashed in at WrestleMania. Oh, right. Yes. Is the one he just surpassed. So this match, it is clear they are going with Rusev as a heel. They are not trying to. I mean, it's clear t- this week, but it's yeah, he it flips wasn't back and forth every single week. Yeah, last week it came down to him beating Miz, that, yeah. which was designed around a big babyface pop for Rusev getting the title chance. It's and the this, same with him and, and Lana. Yeah, it's 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 almost like what 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 do you want the audience to react to for Rusev? Do you want him to be cheered? Do you want him to be cheered uh, going against what he clearly is as a heel, or do you just want a heel? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really know. I know that, that you know. I'm sure there's some mandate to to not necessarily uh, pigeonhole anybody some as a babyface or a heel. They probably have this like shades of gray thing that they're still trying to go yeah, with. Yeah, it's worked wonders for <laughs> Bailey, Bailey and, and Sasha. Sasha. <laughs> yeah, for half the roster. Yeah, uh, but for in the case of Rusev, I mean, it depends on who his opponent is every single week. So they went through a commercial break. Uh, Woods got out of a bear hug, came back with a DDT that Rusev kicked out of. Uh, Rusev hit this big Samoan drop and then runs shoulder first into the post. Woods goes for the top uh, rope elbow drop, misses Rusev, who hits a machka kick, accolade, submits Woods. Clean victory. And then Rusev cut a promo about tonight not being about Woods, trombones, or ban... Pan- My mouth is just all over the place. Pancakes. Tonight is about AJ Styles, who is not here. He knows he's scared and proved that when he punched out Aiden last week. And he is coming. He's going to break down the door to AJ's house and take his title. Oh. This is breaking and entering. Well, he's already there. He actually only threatened breaking. He didn't state he was going to enter his home. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, good promo from Rusev. The match I thought was okay. You know, I thought Woods did a good job as a babyface here. Um, It remains to be seen what, what Rusev will get in the match against AJ. I have a feeling they'll both get cheered. We had an upside-down shot of Jeff Hardy. Adrenaline is coursing through my bloodstream. It's binding with my membrane receptors, heightening my awareness, increasing my threshold for pain, and clarifying my vision. And then the shot flips upright. I'm ready to take flight and fight. I don't care what he says. I'm more impressed that he nails this in... I don't care how many takes it does. The fact that he does get this out. This would take me hours to get this 
all these words in the proper order. I'm sure he wrote it, so may, that might be a bit easier. Uh, you know, we, we don't no longer cover 205 Live necessarily on this show, but uh, this is a, the Jeff Hardy promo, I think, is a great substitute for a TJP promo here, coming from you. He's got a he's got a long ways to go. I miss TJ. Oh man, yeah. Uh, anyway, but I, you know what? It's weird. Like I think in TNA when I used to watch Jeff cut these types of promos, I felt they were so weird. But I see him in on SmackDown do the same thing or something very similar, and I really don't mind these at all. Like I'll say at least I find these types of type of Jeff promos visually interesting, which is more than I can say for either a Bray Wyatt or a Matt Hardy promo. What did you think of the the camera flip? Yeah, like it's fine. Like in the in the end, all the stuff, like like Jeff's things, uh Matt and Bray's things, they all come across relatively kind of cheap looking compared to like what I think kids are capable of these days on YouTube. Like kids with DSLRs are able to just like be way more creative. Enzo's younger brother shoots all his videos and edits them. Hire hire that guy. Sure, whatever. Like, what's out there is just so much better than what the WWE produces. But, I mean, the WWE chooses to produce... I mean, this was shot today, backstage. Would this have been know? done handheld? Yeah. And he flipped it? Yeah, as opposed to what? I don't know, but I think oh. that's pretty good. He had, like, a you know a steady shot for the promo, oh, yeah, upside yeah. down, and then he flipped it seamlessly. Yep. That's that's my assumption, unless they built a, a giant room. I know this is like gravity. kid stuff for you, Wade, but I thought this was pretty <laughs> no. impressive. You, Wade could do this with like one hand no, while no, he's like smoking. True. But the way the, the, the well, the W like to me, it's just like Raw SmackDown. These are very much still, uh, for for better or worse, uh, produced by people that are uh, maybe mm, more traditionally trained with te- television. Uh, so they're not really going out there and doing too many experimental things. This might be as experimental as it gets. This is, this is as wild as the yeah. production gets. Uh, Tom Phillips explains Nakamura being injured Monday. Did not give us a reason why. And Hardy's going to defend his title in an open challenge. And then we went backstage to Lana and Naomi. And Lana claiming she was the better dancer in their segment a couple of weeks ago. And then Naomi looks off into the distance. O-M-G. And several members of the cast of Glow walked in, featuring Allison Brie, who did her Zoya the Destroyer voice for Lana, which Lana has 90% gotten rid of. There's the bare yeah. traces of that accent mm-hmm. that remain. It only I only heard it here when Lana st- started to speak in Russian. But otherwise, like she is, uh, sounds like a Californian, like or wherever she's from. There seems to be like a hint of the cadence in her voice still that it feels like she hasn't completely dropped it yet, but maybe that's just her voice. Mm. I don't know. Um, I thought the pairing between like Zoya, the, the destroyer for people who have seen glow Zoya, the, the, the destroyer is Alison Bree's glow wrestling character. That's a very stereotypical Russian. So to have, to connect that with Lana, who plays a very they're basically Russian, very similar, the same character, the same character. I thought that was neat. Uh, Naomi explained to Lana what tripping means, and then Naomi admits that Lana is a good dancer, and suggests that maybe they be ravishing together. And the Glow actresses who have a series coming out Friday, this is the biggest news they've heard. They were so excited at the prospect of Lana. And Naomi 
together. And Naomi says, we are going to snatch some people bald and everyone will feel the glow. Yeah. And Byron just worked in that plug for season two on Friday. This this was a, a tremendous tribute to the original glow. It was uh, campy as all hell. And Whoa. at least they had that excuse, right? But, you know, I'll, like, I feel it's if you're going to do a celebrity uh, uh, endorsement with glow, a celebrity endorsement with the celebrity's friends, because that's what Alison Brie and her friends. Were yes. There. Like, that's right. what this was. Well, they weren't going to get Mark Maron, I guess. And who who are the other big stars on that show? Kia Stevens that your audience would know. Yeah. But she and, doesn't um, have a huge part in that. Show. What's her name? Debbie Egan, the... Uh, I don't know the actress's Come name. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Would have been that much better. Well, as long as you have Alison. I mean, those are the two main ones. Yeah. Mark Maron and Alison Brie really? are, the, are the stars of the show. They got Alison Brie. That's pretty good. That's almost the only one you needed instead <laughs> of all than, these others. Better than last year. Uh, but, you know, what was I going to say? If, if you're going to do one of these things, there's nobody to do it with but Naomi. So I'm really glad that they at least connected those dots. Connecting it with Lana as well, I thought was quite neat. Um but really, I mean, I can't think of a... Naomi hasn't had too many significant moments on TV, I would say, over the past year. I would kind of she put this one She won the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal way. Well, I mean, okay, that's one. She was in a somewhat of a storyline with Jimmy Uso, too. Yeah, that and mixed this match would, challenge run. This has been a career year. And this would be number three. I really can't <laughs> think of too much else. So I'm happy that Naomi got this. Jeff Hardy took on the man answering the open challenge, Eric Young. Because if there is a group that has their eyes on the United States title, it's Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolf. Yeah. Th- those three clearly with their eyes on that United States title. You were on vacation. Did you did you follow all of the uh, the British wrestling experience drama? No, I didn't. So Jordan Devlin, who was on the UK tournament show on on Monday, mm-hmm. he took their graphic and. The poster featured, oh, I can't remember which four were on it, but he just puts like an emoji to it, like pointing to like the British word in it. And it didn't feature any British wrestlers. It was like Walter was on it. And anyway, oh, Jordan Devlin called out the British wrestling experience. It got into this thing about (laughs) (laughs) they were talking about OTT and talking about it like pretty glowingly, too. And OTT chimed in saying, we're from Ireland. We're not British. And your show's the British wrestling experience. And I'm just watching this. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, what the hell? It was just, anyway, uh, cooler heads prevailed, and, and Jordan Devlin uh, thanked them for the coverage. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, that, that was what you missed. Well, okay. Don't, I'm don't, sorry. Don't go up against our, our guys. Oh, come on. Martin, please. Ollie, yeah. and Benno. They will, uh, they will put you in line. Uh, so, anyway, Jeff Hardy, Eric Young. They're back uh, tomorrow, by the way. The British Wrestling Experience. Yes, they're going to be tackling the Royal Albert Hall mm-hmm. events uh, as well. Hardy goes for a swanton right away. Young rolled to the floor. Is it just mandated now that every single match has a commercial break in it? I don't feel we ever get a match that airs in its entirety. Uh, oh, you squash matches. That's you it. Know. Yeah. Anyway, it just seems uh, as though these matches are just patterned now that you just have the commercial spot. and Of course. These matches are patterned anyway. I know they are. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've always been patterned. And that's, to me, one of the... Mm. I mean, 
Yeah, never mind. I'm always I'm always relieved though when they go to commercial break and I'm wondering, is the match gonna stop? And I'm assured this match rolls on. <laughs> it's like phew. Thank you. I want to make sure I, I see this. The tapes are rolling. You sure? Young choked him. I didn't get into this match at all. They brawled Neither. with Wolf and Dane on the floor. Oh, man. The twist of fate that was done before the commercial break. Did you catch that? I didn't. What happened? Oh, uh, they were setting this up to, to go to commercial where uh, like a minute into the match, not even. Jeff goes for a twist of fate. Mistimed it. Mm. Both of them mistimed it. Uh, and then... Young just collapses. It was just a phantom twist of fate. These yeah. former TNA champions going at no. it. I had. I, I'm. I missed this. I had a horrendous experience watching this show no. uh, online, where uh, I was not at my house, and the connection was just terrible. And no. the buffering I went through, I was ready to put my head through a window halfway through this show. Well, I watched this entire, at least, uh, quote unquote, match between Eric Young and Jeff Hardy, and I'd say that... This went almost 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of slow. The crowd kind of got into it because I think Jeff Hardy is still very much liked, Uh, but I really didn't think it was... was, I'm very happy for Eric Young to have a singles match in the WWE roster, but this wasn't an impressive match. So it's thrown out when um, the Usos come out and everyone brawls into the ring. Ref throws it out. We go to another commercial, come back. Now it's a six-man. Jeff Hardy and the Usos against Sanity. They got the advantage on Jay, and that's how it remained for the lion's share of the match. He eventually makes the hot tag to Jimmy after some teases of tags and cutting the ring off. And Jimmy hits the running hip attack into the corner. Everyone's fighting. Jay super kicks Dane, who just eats it. Jimmy super kicks him. Then a double super kick finally sends Killian Dane to the floor. Jimmy hits a tope. Audience is into this at this point. Wolf then German suplexes Jay, who super kicks him out of the corner. Hardy tags, climbs to the top. Swanton pinning Alexander Wolf. And the Hardys and Uso celebrate in the ring. And I mean, it was a fine babyface win. I just don't understand why you bring in these groups. Think of a. Think of a horror movie you watch. When the when the monster, when the villain is introduced, it's something frightening. It's this threat of who is going to overcome this. Mm-hmm. And you build and you build till finally the hero comes after him and you have the big climax. And you have these, these monsters come in and you just beat them right away. It's, why? Well, I mean, that's, that's with the assumption that you view sanity as monsters and I would say this is their first match together but I would say outside of Killian Dane I don't mm, I I wouldn't say either Eric Young nor Alexander Wolf really you know show off the monster vibe I mean it's but they're they're a new act regardless of how you see them yes but but we know who they're protecting I mean you saw here they're Jey Uso well, Jey Uso is necessary. It, it can't beat him. No, I mean protecting uh, it with insanity. Like kill, oh. Alexander Wolf is going to be the fall guy in probably most cases. They're, they will protect Eric Young to some extent, but they seem very protective. Or I, 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 be, I believe they will be quite protective of Killian Dane. Who? Yeah, I don't know how much Young is going to be no, any kind of factor other yeah. than. Uh, yeah, really. Like the six man really wasn't all that impressive either. I felt like the Usos had to come in here to really kind of save the segment. Um, I would say Sanity doesn't really feel all that intimidating two weeks in yet. I just look at it that on SmackDown, this is a very clogged up roster. That Mm -hmm. if you're bringing people in, there better be a reason for it. Because presently, Cesaro has, there's nothing for him. Cesaro is off TV at the moment. 
So if you are filling up your time with these characters that you have, I'm with you. I think that Dane is someone they see something in, but you're bringing this group up and it just feels the immediately it's you're they're already placed into a nothing role that in time, maybe they'll get around to Killian Dane, but maybe they'll get around to Cesaro. Maybe they'll get around to Luke Harper. It's just these guys find these roles. They stay in them forever. And then that's how they're viewed upon. So Yeah. I mean, do you want me to give the roll call of all the guys that come up from NXT that don't end up doing much? I mean, Ty Dillinger had had one appearance on this show. This just seemed uh, like a very easy one that one of the Usos take a fall, get some heat on these guys. Because this is, we're still in, they're, They've only been on TV a week, two weeks? Well, perhaps the match will be between Young and Dane versus the Usos. Maybe. Well, then what's Wolf even doing here? He's this part is of, part of the group. It's the boy who called Alexander Wolf. <laughs> Please explain this backstage, like, going to break spot. Becky has her Beats headphones on, shadow boxing, when a PA comes up from behind, and she nearly punches this guy. And... He alerts her, she's up next. Now, number one, mm-hmm. there is nothing I hate more than when I have my headphones on and someone, like, taps me. Because you are impossible to uh, get, get like, it's impossible to get your attention when you have your headphones on. What's the etiquette when you have headphones on? I think it's, you What know, are you supposed to do? How else are, are you supposed to get somebody's attention? I, I'm fine with people getting my attention, but I really want Would it you to be prefer- worth it. Like don't don't just stop me because it's I see you and it's an obligation to come interrupt you. I'm I'm in my headspace. If I see you on the street, you're we're walking along opposite directions. You fine guy that I went to high school with that I haven't seen in 15 years. eh, You know what? Wow. You can keep going. Okay. You know you know what I've I've become pretty proficient at. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at. I spot someone I know in the street and I keep a constant movement and I do the head nod. I did it just this past week with someone uh, that I haven't seen in a while. You don't stop for a chat? We we walked by. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Nodded. Never stopped. We just kept going. Fine. This was an interaction. Right, right, right. I do that too. Yeah, depending. If I don't, if I barely know you, then yeah, that's probably it. I'm not a good small talker. <laughs> I'm not. Way knows us. So, if, okay, if a listener sees you walking down the Absolutely. Street, I have all is the time okay? in the world for listeners. Can a listener tap you on the head, uh, on the shoulder? Not on the head. Don't tap. Don't do that. Don't ever pull the earbud out. Oh, yeah. I remember CM Punk telling stories about people ripped the earbuds out of his ear. Oh, that's and a, that's borderline I, assault. I mean, it justifies a lot of his actions. Um, yeah, never Can, do that. Okay, if a listener sees you, you're you're I don't know at a cafe with headphones on reading. Can a listener tap you on the shoulder? Um. I'm not I'm not a big like don't touch me. It kind of throws me off. Um Diva here. No, 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 no. But if if my back is towards you, yeah. just say my name. You know my yeah, my name your is headphones on, so I can't I you you wouldn't wave. Hear me. The old wave. Oh, so so get in front of you and wave. I'm not in a I'm not in a in the corner with like a candle on with like a fucking well, hood be. on top you of me. You could be. You could be sitting up against the, facing a wall. I'm always happy uh, to speak with <laughs> listeners. But there, there is a mutual interest to speak with one another, with a listener and someone else. Gotcha. I talk about people, if if you saw someone you haven't seen since first year of university, you guys have had no conversation mm-hmm. since university, mm-hmm. and you guys are walking down the street. Is that a, no. a worthwhile, right. do you want to spend 10 minutes 
of a conversation. I don't. Mm. I don't want to spend 10 minutes just having a fake conversation. We have not done zero effort to reach out to one another in over a decade. Right. Why do we feel the need that we've got to talk? They're not always. They, they don't have to be fake conversations, though. Maybe you and that person have grown up with incredibly similar paths. And you by talking, by having this quote-unquote fake conversation, maybe you'll reveal something about yourselves that will turn that not non, non-relationship into a big relationship later on. Okay. Well, I, I'm trying. <laughs> I, th- this is my neuroses, folks. I'm not I'm not a very good uh one-on-one uh, uh talker. No, you don't have to be. I'm not I'm not necessarily either. Yeah. Way is one of the I'm few actually that the opposite got through the honest. shield. <laughs> You're a great small talker. I'm 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 a better one-on-one talker than I am in a group setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I guess we balance each other out. Yeah, I guess so. Uh so <laughs> sanity's dead. That was our conclusion. And then Becky was uh, nearly taken off a guy's head. WWE has more Instagram followers than Major League Baseball, NHL, HBO, ESPN, and the NFL. Our dick size is 18 inches by our last check. Impressive. What other sports league would do this? Can you imagine the NFL coming back from break and saying, (laughs) hey, because they could. They could do a lot of stats to belittle their competitors. I don't watch enough sports to be able to comment, but I don't see graphics designed for this. It just seems like you guys have won. You guys, we haven't even talked about it yet. WWE confirmed their television deals with NBC Universal and Fox, mm-hmm. uh, reportedly, you know, in the neighborhood of two point three five billion dollars over the next five years between those contracts uh, mm-hmm. from twenty nineteen onward for five years. You guys have won. You guys are tremendously popular. You're mainstream. Yeah. Your Instagram follower count. Very healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I take your word for it. Mm-hmm. I assume it's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder how much longer these will last. What's the what, what's, what's the, the driving force? I don't know. Like, is they respect te- respect respect? Obviously. Yeah. Like it's very interesting. Like they they have crossed into an, an accepted level that the, they weren't even in ten years ago. Stock closed at what sixty six dollars today. Today it was sixty six, but mm-hmm. they announced the deals after. The closing oh, really? uh, trades uh, when trading closed. So tomorrow will be an interesting day for the stock. Hmm. Now they're officially announced. Um, yeah, they're doing um, a conference call at eight in the morning uh, tomorrow. Why so. is that number? Did you know? Did you know that our stock price closed? They at- should brag about the stock, yeah. <laughs> but it also, I mean, it'll be interesting how much it stays. the The end of even if the stock falls. It's not going back, I think, to like thirty dollars. No, like like it's going to stay pretty healthy. Like this will be a net gain over twelve months. It'd be like the the price of uh, housing in Toronto. Yeah, it's this is this is what it is now. Yeah, WWE is the housing market. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch took on Sonya Deville. This was the peak buffering issue. So I really hated this match because I had to restart it several times. Mm, okay. Corey Graves at the beginning said that tonight Becky's performance is going to be reminiscent of James Tony's first UFC fight, which is not a compliment. Mm. And also mentioned Becky and Chris Cyborg being friends. He was just going for it. Yeah, yeah. He's... Corey really could have worked in another example of a poor UFC performance if he really wanted to have the daggers out. But <laughs> he went right. with James Tony as his uh, victim. Mm. Becky bridged out from underneath a pin. Uh, DeVille had to go to the floor to regroup. And then Becky fired back, Beck's bloater. This was after a commercial break. 
very minimal crowd heat. Mandy Rose was in the corner, distracted Becky at one point, which allowed DeVille to yank her off the turnbuckle. DeVille, did you watch this finish as closely as I did? Because it appeared that DeVille just like punched Mandy in the face from the ring. And Becky was, the idea was she was getting out of the way, avoiding a punch. Uh, But it just seemed like the timing was slightly off that it just looked like Sonya just decked this woman that's in her Mm -hmm. corner. And this allowed Becky to apply the disarmor and submit her. And we didn't get a replay of the finish either, which is uh, part of the typical recap. It wasn't very well done. Uh, Overall, I felt like these two were probably giving way too much time. Like This This was was a a two-segment match. match. And at some point, they really did lose the crowd. And the match was really not that good anyway. Uh, But I think the the positive is that clearly the Becky push continues. They are setting her up for something big. Um, Nothing wrong, I thought, with the booking here. But I just thought the match was too long. Wasn't that great. You know, Becky definitely has the audience. She, Everybody wants to see her be the next champion. But I have to say, these two weeks, her matches really have not been that great. They plug Daniel Bryan and Luke Harper for the first time ever on SmackDown Live. They are on this major kick about promoting these first-time-ever matches. Um, okay. This has happened on SmackDown, but their wiggle room is that it's the first time on SmackDown Live. What? SmackDown and SmackDown Live so are you mean different shows. They've done. They've done. They've had a. They they were involved in a gauntlet match where they had a, a singles match as part of a gauntlet. I looked this up in 2015 together. Okay, that doesn't really count, does it? It's a match. Mm, I guess so. A gauntlet match consists of singles matches. Are you insinuating that they would say first time ever on SmackDown Live, even if that match had taken place in SmackDown? Okay, if next week they had they had Samoa Joe versus Daniel Bryan and they yeah. said for the first time ever on SmackDown Live, would you take issue with it? No. Oh, sorry. Next week. Yeah, of course I would. Because they just had a match last week, You're right? right. You're, well, that was a gauntlet of, match. part of a gauntlet. Mm. I mean, I would hope that they would clarify that. These two have previously Wait, the on. WWE is really going to clarify their bullshit. Like yeah. they have an asterisk next to the Instagram followers. Yeah, I, I, we, we count every single wrestler on I gotcha. all of our multiple I gotcha. accounts. That's true. But I, I feel like it's even, you know, they're they're beyond saying something happened, uh, some, something, something never happened on SmackDown Live, even if it happened on SmackDown. You know what I mean? I don't think they have any shame. Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega, who are also on this show. They barely can fit. They have way too many people on this oh, show. Oh, the Sin Cara match seems to be completely off the table. He's on the shelf now. He's yeah. a, he's on the shelf from that attack we saw weeks ago and yeah. this match that was announced that's never happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just not going to happen, I they guess. They just changed their mind. This could just be a throwaway match at Extreme Rules on the kickoff. I mean, why? I think you should save Cien for like an actual big match. Not on the kickoff. Well, maybe they're, maybe they're going to beat him in his first match anyway, just to acclimate him to SmackDown. Uh, Zelina just cut the promo. There's no competition here because they're all afraid. And stay out of our way if you know what's good for you. Yeah, I mean, all the NXT call-ups thus far um, have really not had really It just doesn't seem showings. like there's room for all these people. Or just they had nothing planned for them before they decided to call them up. Like, you just yeah. look, like this, this past, you know, six-month period post-WrestleMania, when you look at... The authors, uh, Sanity with Andrade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm probably thinking. I'm Ember, probably f- really? Is Ember kind is kind of, kind of not found. Like, yeah. she's over. She's popular, but she's. No story. No story. Yeah. Like, I, I really thought the money in the bank would have helped her, but they did have a pretty great story for the women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just seems there's just not as much time as there is of WWE programming. It's just not enough to 
have stories, meaningful stories for all of these they characters. They have time. They just don't have the focus. Uh, then we had James Ellsworth come out. He said, there's two types of men in these world, in this world. Men who wear sandals have graduated high school and talk about their feelings. That's quite the subset. Who's he referring to? Hippies with like elitists that have a high school education. I guess that's the bar now. And real men that stand up for what they believe in, like him, who I guess are the opposite, right? They wear like steel toe boots, never got out of 10th grade, and are emotional recluse. Hmm. Yeah. He said, Oscar attacked him for no reason. So he says, listen up, babe. And I, I found this very entertaining. I love Ellsworth. I think he's hilarious. He says, it's a man's world. When you mess with the bull, you get the horns. He says he does love and respect women. In fact, his love life is so hot, you could fry an egg on it. And with him and Asuka, there is no love, no respect, and he takes off his shirt. And this audience was just repulsed. And he is ready this week as he challenges Asuka. Paige comes out instead, stating, You know full well Asuka's not here because you were running around backstage asking if she was here. She is in Japan with her family. So Paige announces Carmella will take on Asuka in another match at Extreme Rules. Yeah. I was waiting for the stipulation, but maybe we'll get that next week. But mm. it has to have something. Oh, at Extreme Rules, I have to think so. Like maybe Ellsworth in a shark tank or... Something like that. Something. They have to, haven't they done that? Haven't they suspended James Ellsworth? Did they, do, they did it with uh, Paul Ellering. I feel like... Yeah, maybe I'm just mistaken. But... You know, I, I, I'm I'm very glad James Ellsworth is back. He's a nice change up from I think the Carmella promo, which I'm I'm a little bit kind of tired of lately. So having him out here, uh, him challenging Asuka, and then I thought Paige coming out here doing kind of the flirting thing was like she Paige I thought did a good job too. So uh, again, I'm for Ellsworth being a part of this whole thing. Yes or no? In the next twelve months, James Ellsworth wins the cruiserweight title. Oh God. Uh, I really would hope not. They've made that mistake already by having a joke character win that belt. Ellsworth uh, thinks that Paige wants to go out on a date with him and asks her out. She says, yes. How about next Tuesday? Ellsworth just accepts this. Tuesday night date. Sounds great. And then she says, well, it's not going to be exactly a date. It's going to be a match and it's going to be with Asuka. Which I don't know is how a verbal agreement works. Mm. Like you can't say. What do you mean? Uh, do you want to go on a date with me? Yes. You have now committed to um, mandatory prison work. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Paige, so she could just book the match anyway. Right? Yeah, this is a this is an oppressive tyrant in Paige. Uh, so that is made for next week. Oscar versus James Ellsworth, and Carmel and AJ. They were off the show because they're in Australia doing promotion. Did Ellsworth have a an intergender match? Yeah, with Becky. Time? Wow, right, of course, yes. Yeah, they did that. Okay, cool. The Bludgeon Brothers are in the back. They zoomed in on Harper's eyes, and then they cut to Brian, who was practicing his strikes with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Mm-hmm. More so Gallows, and Anderson was just watching. That was his role this week. He was counting week. his abs. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so... Um, is, I, I, is Brian playing AJ this week? I don't know. Are they teasing some type of association between him and the... Gallows and Anderson? I was really hoping they were going somewhere with the, the Anderson club. taking the bullet for AJ with Shinsuke mm-hmm. two months ago. I really like that angle they did that one week on TV, but mm-hmm. never followed up on. No. Main event. Daniel Bryan, Luke Harper, uh, for the first time 
in 2018 on SmackDown. Brian gets run into the barricade, and early on, Harper's in control, just cutting off Brian, and every time Brian goes for offense, Harper has an answer. Brian then attacks his arm, hits him with a drop kick, hits the running drop kicks, but on the third, runs into a Michinoku driver. Brian stopped a superplex attempt with a tornado DDT, hits him with yes kicks, and then ducks a discus lariat, applies the yes lock, and then Rowan runs in, attacking Brian for the DQ. Uh, the positive is this did not go 28 minutes before we got this run in DQ. The negative was uh, we got yet another fuck finish, uh, which we had plenty of between Monday and Tuesday night. And Saxton says, this is deja vu from last week. It's like, Byron, this was deja vu from the night prior. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the Bludgeon Brothers were double teaming and beating down Brian. Uh, Before we talk about the angle at the end, what did you think about this match? I thought this was a nice showcase for Harper. Yeah, it was pretty... Pretty physical, uh, not as physical as uh, Brian's match with with Joe last. No, week. his his neck wasn't folded up like an accordion <laughs> during this match, so right. that was nice. I, I really I, I thought the match was okay, uh, but really didn't seem to get out of the lower gears. Wow, that's that. Yeah. Um, so Brian's getting beaten down. I like the way they they let this breathe, and everyone had a moment to think about who was coming down, and I think most expected what was about to happen. I didn't necessarily. Uh, Kane's music hits and he got the loudest pop on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything close. And they announce he's marching straight from the mouth of hell, which is quite the insult in poor Knox County. And he attacks both, attempts a double chokeslam, but he's stopped. And Brian comes back with missile drop kicks to the Bludgeon Brothers, running knee to Rowan, chokeslam to Harper. And then they stare down one another. The crowd is chanting, Team Hell No. They have a serious look on their faces, and Kane walks up to Brian, extends his arms, and they're really milking this. Brian shakes his head no. The audience chants yes, and then Stand By Me plays in the the arena by the pretenders, and they embrace and hug. And it was... Confetti in the air. Oh, it was tears. This was Randy and Liz. This was a wonderful reunion. Koto Ibushi and Kenny Omega. And then Paige comes out. Yeah, we had the Big Red Lovers. <laughs> I like it. Paige came out and announced a SmackDown tag title match for Extreme Rules with Kane and Brian challenging the Bludgeon Brothers. And, you know, there's there's very few happy moments on WWE programming. Everyone's always angry. Every babyface is getting fucked over. Bailey's swearing up a storm at Sasha Banks. I like just going off the air with, like, just a happy moment. Like, this is how baby faces are made. You feel happy for people. Yeah, I love this. I, I really didn't see this coming when when I thought, uh, when they paired Brian with the Bludgeon Brothers, I thought it would just be Brian taking on one of them or Brian choosing another partner from the roster. I, I guess in my mind, Kane is really just like not, he is mayor now. Like, I, I just figure he's retired. But The mayor that trumps a constable. Uh, what? Maybe he'll be the mayor of SmackDown. Wow. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think, uh, this was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I love the idea of team hell no taking on the bludgeon brothers. It's Daniel Bryan bringing his giant friend to take on other giants. I really do think it's very well done. Yeah. I think that, I think we'll have a better assessment of Daniel Bryan at the end of this summer. And what I think that this is like, we've both talked about Bryan has to me, not, he's not been the special star that everyone I think wanted him to be positioned as when this unforeseen comeback occurred. He's 
he's still over. He's very over to the audience. But I think that this this mini Kane reunion will kind of spark something in him, uh, kind of like his own Shield reunion. And then you have the Miz program that I think a lot of people want to see for SummerSlam. And after SummerSlam, I think he gets a win over Miz, and then he can be kind of more focused on the world title scene. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not really, you know, um, I don't necessarily anticipate that this guy will, I think he'll get a, a, a challenge for the title. I don't necessarily see him winning it, though. Like, remember. The fall is also, if they're really serious about him, it's kind of the worst time. Like, that fall yeah. period is just kind of the lull before Rumble season and WrestleMania. I think they'll do it for maybe, like, a nice moment. Actually, like, him winning winning this title, not necessarily in, in the main event, but winning it at WrestleMania, I think is a, would be a great, fantastic moment. But, you know, let's, let's remember, like... His contract's up. The contract, and also, like, I don't know how the extent of, of really the brain injuries right now, but let's say the guy gets a concussion. What happens? You know, do you invest that much in a world title with a guy who's still considered quite fragile? It, I mean, they, they're they going with this guy, but they're not going all the way with Brian. Yeah. Like, and they, I, you can argue that Brian's even beyond that, though. Like, does he need a title run to be over? I don't think so. Challenging for the title is different, though. I think everybody wants to see him do that. I think it comes down to what your expectation was. Like, when he announced his comeback, it felt like this is the biggest babyface in the industry. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have just been dropped this incredible gift out of nowhere yeah. that no one expected. It would be like CM Punk coming back right now and, like, just doing a Rest, match by by, by month three, he's yeah. having TV matches with Luke Harper. It's mm-hmm. like, man. You got CM Punk back, and you're doing this. But so much of this is Brian himself wanting to be a regular part of the roster, wanting to do house shows, wanting to wrestle every single month. Yeah, it, it's we, not been creatively stimulating. I think that's sure. where it is. Okay. So this episode of SmackDown, um, you know, yeah, the the nice finish. I think people got into that. Um, I thought a fairly passable SmackDown, though. Beyond that, I, I didn't take too much out of this show. Yeah. Um, we forgot feedback. <laughs> so you know what? We have quite a lot. Um, are you posting a thread or no? Uh, I don't why, don't, why don't I post a thread? Apologies, everybody. A lot to get through on this show. If we get any, we will read it. So We do have Ask Away this Friday, folks. We're oh unlimited God. questions. It's too late. Okay. Sorry, guys. Well, um, how about I go through the UK show, and then we're going to chat about this, this Enzo interview. Sure. Uh, and then we will... Uh, Get on out of here. So uh, I'm not going to do like a thorough rundown of the UK card, but um, suffice to say, uh, a very good show. I would put this ahead of the first night's show. Uh, and in terms of uh, the best match uh, between either, uh, clearly the Sex Man was the highlight of night one. And this one, I think the main event and the opener um, were close to that same level, but I still felt that Six Man was my favorite match of the two nights. Um, so we had... The title change with Tyler Bate and Trent Seven defeating Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong in 11.55. Just a super hot crowd. I think you can take any combination of British Strong Style and the Undisputed Era, mix and match them, six-mans, tags, singles matches. You are going to come up with unbelievable chemistry. It just seems these six are so fluid with one another. Um, They just have their matches down pat. Um, This was a really fun match. Uh, accentuated by the audience, and it ended with uh, Trent Seven hitting the seven-star lariat and lifted Riley O'Reilly um, into a f- flying knee, and then Seven pinned O'Reilly after the flying knee from Tyler Bate coming off the top. So really hot match. And then uh, later in the show, they did a an interview with the two of them, 
and they weren't yelling and they weren't cutting promos on guys. They were almost like in tears that we've been we've been teaming four to five years together and we've won titles elsewhere, but now we've won the NXT tag titles. And they were about like in tears and they were just so happy for one another. Cool. It's like there's not enough of this with like with baby faces that you genuinely feel happy for people. Celebration. Um, yes. I don't think enough it's it just seems that the the easy low hanging fruit is how are we gonna get heat in this moment? How are we going to upset the people or take something away from them? Like a great moment and you take it away and it's constantly getting heat on Stephanie and Hunter and uh prying this away from the babyface, making them constantly go for this struggle and never get the payoff. And sometimes it's nice to just get a payoff and you feel really great for these people. Um Killer Kelly took on Charlie Morgan. And I failed to mention this on Monday's show, but there was uh, the women's three-way on Monday was, it started as a four-way uh, with Ginny, who suffered, I believe it was a concussion in the match, and they had to restart the match on the fly. So the network version, you just saw a three-way, uh, but it's introduced as a fatal four-way. Um, so anyway, they had to work around that. Um, so uh, coming back here, they had Killer Kelly against Charlie Morgan that went 702. Uh, this would have been the weakest match on the show. There was not a whole lot wrong with the match. It's just the audience wasn't all that into it. I don't think they were that familiar with um, with Charlie Morgan. Uh, Killer Kelly got a decent reaction, but this was kind of the, the weak match on the show. Uh, Christian was just randomly in the crowd. Okay. I guess visiting. Uh, Mark Andrews, Travis Banks, Flash Morgan Webster, and the returning Noam Dar. So Noam Dar and Alicia Fox back on TV within mm. 24 hours of one another. Uh, Noam Dar won in 8.53. I thought another really good outing for Travis Banks, who to me was one of the best performers of the two shows. Uh, Dar won with his uh, his running uh, dropkick, uh, pinning Travis Banks, who is interesting that they beat him on two consecutive nights. He did go to the finals against uh, Zach Gibson, but then he took the fall in this match as the progress champion. Uh, but that set up Joe and Mark Coffey. The Coffee Boys, uh, who, as I said, double-double teamed Travis Banks <laughs> afterwards and um, were kind of the big heels between the two nights along with uh, Zach Gibson. Adam Cole took on Wolfgang. This was just a strange match. It went 10-25. Cole retained with the last shot. But the audience, they really didn't take to Wolfgang. And Cole is a heel on NXT. But the audience seemed more into Cole. And the whole match was structured with... Like it was like a babyface match for Cole, where he sold and he sold and he sold, and then he made his comeback and he won the match, and then he played to the crowd. They chanted one more time, so he did the the baby chant one more time, and it's just strange that Cole was like this was all laid out for like a babyface match, even though Wolfgang was kind of like they were trying to position him. It was just a strange match, anyway. Uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet against Velveteen Dream and EC3. This was a lot of fun when almost 16 minutes and all four got superstar reactions coming out. This was like a great house show main event. Um, and it was third from the top. Um, EC3 had injured himself and he tried to tag Velveteen Dream, who himself was claiming an injury. And he hopped off the apron, walking to the back, pissing off EC3. And they did this long tease where EC3 had his back towards Alistair Black. He knew what was behind him. He reluctantly turned around, took the Black Mass, and got pinned. Um, Shayna Baszler defeated Tony Storm. This was a great match. Uh, 
way better than the Nikki Cross match at TakeOver. I thought uh, Tony Storm uh, looked great in this match. Tremendous babyface. Uh, she got several, uh, she got a big near fall here with the air raid crash and then caught her with a European clutch that Baszler kicked out of and then applied the rear naked choke. Everyone thought Storm was tapping out. So when she did reach to the bottom rope, there was a big pop and then Baszler reapplied the choke on the floor, left her laying and Storm staggered, but couldn't get back in time. Uh, so Shayna Baszler won by count out, but this was a really strong performance from both women. So Tony Storm coming in, I think is a great get if you've watched her uh, whether it be in the UK scene or at stardom, uh, she's a huge addition, I think. And then the main event was a really excellent main event with Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson. Pete Dunne is like one of my favorite wrestlers at the moment, whether he works as a heel and in this case, a baby face, he is outstanding with his timing, his facial reactions for everything. He sold his shoulder throughout, which, um, set up Gibson and his his Kimura lock, which is the Shankly Gates um, that he was constantly going for towards the end. And uh, Dunn was able to uh, get to the ropes after he fully applied the Shankly Gates, snapped the fingers of Gibson, caught him with a forearm, and then hit the bitter end, which Gibson had kicked out of earlier in the match, and Dunn won at 17.48. Uh, tremendous main event. I thought this was probably the match of the show. Um, very close with the tag title change that opened it. And then the final scene was the entire locker room emptying uh, with uh, Big Daddy Paul Levesque holding up Pete Dunne's arm, which I don't know how I feel about the, you know, Paul Levesque playing the He's daddy He's really role. not shy about, uh, about this whole thing. It's like, just like Pete Dunne to me is a character that's just like, he's got this edge to him that I, I don't want to see him just get the rubber stamp of approval from Paul Levesque. And he's uh, one of Paul's kids. That's just... <laughs> This whole vehicle has been a vanity project for Triple H, and he's done a great job with it, and I think the wrestling world is better for it. But let's not, you know, mistake that this guy won't pass up an opportunity to show his face at the end of a show, to take credit for everything. And Paul said, this is your time, and this is your brand. We are NXT. Right. Morrow also opened up the show by greetings, Grapple fans, as a tribute to Kent Walton, oh. World of Sport. Cool. Uh, so that was the show. Very fun show. I I enjoyed the UK shows last year, really enjoyed them this year, and I think they're going to have a really entertaining TV show. I hope it doesn't morph into 205 Live, because um, they have so much great talent, and so does 205 Live, and that's my concern. I mean, I think the audiences will be way better. That's the biggest... Live upside is that they're going to the UK to mm -hmm. tape those shows and they're not doing them, you know, as a, as an add on to a WWE taping. Yep. So that's a big benefit they have going for them. All right. Um, the Enzo interview. So this, uh, this occurred on, uh, this was on Tuesday's, uh, Steve Austin podcast. He had Enzo, uh, come out to California with him and man, Enzo can really talk for a long period. Austin even joked about it. Like Enzo would say like, I don't take advice from anybody except from Stone Cold when he calls me up. And Austin's like, yeah, well, sometimes I call you up and I can barely get any words in. <laughs> I try to get my shit in with you. <laughs> Dude, this is 90% Enzo just going through and Austin just barely involved in this <laughs> podcast. This was the Enzo monologue. Uh, that's what this was. So, 
Uh, and this is kind of his, he did, he's done this uh, YouTube interview, like this two hour sit down chat. But in terms of a wrestling interview with a wrestling personality, this is kind of his first uh, addressing everything. So we go back to the last time Austin saw him was the day of Raw 25 at the Barclays Center when Enzo showed up. And that was the day he was suspended when all the allegations came out. And Enzo said, I showed up at the arena that day with a shirt that read, today is the best day of my life. And the back read, I can't wait for tomorrow. And he said that night, the Raw 25 was significantly written around him. He was going to be in a series of vignettes all night long as part of the APA poker game where he would lose his cruiserweight title in the game to Ted DiBiase and then Nia Jax, who was paired with him at his, at this time, would win the title back during the game and hand it back to Enzo. Plus, Enzo would have a match with Goldust where he would end up getting put through a table by the Dudley boys. So they had to rewrite all this stuff on the fly when the Enzo news came down in the afternoon. Enzo finds out about the allegations on Twitter uh, when the accuser puts them out and he contacted uh, first his lawyer and then Mark Carano and a WWE lawyer, as well as Adam Hopkins, who is one of the, uh, the PR officials for the WWE. And Enzo stated the police never contacted him about the allegations. However, he did state that a friend of his received an email in December uh, that his friend's girlfriend received an email from someone stating they were an investigator and some woman had made a claim against a wrestler without naming Enzo. So Enzo was told about this email, which sounds very strange that an investigator would reach out to a third party by email. And Enzo said he reached out to his lawyer who contacted the police and asked, is there any charges against his client? He said, no, and he moved on. He never mentioned it to WWE. He moved on. Um, again, this is Enzo's side. Like, that's a story that sounds very... Like, there's some weird stuff to that story, obviously. Um, yeah. Again, hard to comment about it. But, I mean, I would just... Perhaps the friend might have been aware of some... Or not aware, but... You know how, like, the story goes, like, that... Uh, it was Enzo's friends who he was hanging out with that evening and yeah. brought up all this stuff. Yes. Maybe it has something to do with that whole entourage. So I would imagine that is the, cause it later comes up with, with Vince McMahon stating that you have to let us know about stuff like this. And I think that this December knowledge, um, WWE would have wanted to have been aware of this in December and not uh, blindsided by the day of a major shoot, a uh, major episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. So at Enzo, we're, we're back to the day of Raw 25. And after meeting with Mark Carano, the WWE lawyer, Adam Hopkins, he goes to see Vince McMahon, who informed him he would not be on the show tonight. Enzo said, I deserve better than this. And Vince said, you should have let us know about this. And Enzo stated, I was not aware I was under investigation. And Vince sent him home that day. Enzo left, not knowing if he'd need to be at SmackDown the next day. And Vince just said, this is really bad timing-wise because we're promoting a Women's Royal Rumble on Sunday. The Me Too, the Me Too movement is a major thing at the moment. And this is just very bad. Um, 
He walks out of this meeting with Vince McMahon and he walks into Adam Hopkins. So at this point, he's just being sent home. That's his understanding. And Hopkins says, no, you have been suspended. And we just sent out a statement stating you have been suspended. Enzo tells Carano, um, uh, maybe it was Hopkins. I'm not going to forget this. And he turned his phone on airplane mode and just drove from Brooklyn to his sister's house in Delaware while he recorded himself speaking for this whole trip to Delaware. And he's not sure how he's going to use this audio, but he's got it all and says, I'll, I'll have some use for it of what I, what I shared. Uh, Sounds like an album. He did a podcast with himself on his way to Delaware while he was fuming. Mm -hmm. So the next day he's fired. Um, He's contacted by Mark Carano. Enzo's response is consider this your loss, not mine. And he brought up that he was really happy at this point in his career. They had just done the cruiserweight house shows, uh, which he called the highlight of his career because he headlined those shows against Cedric Alexander. And with Enzo, you will, if you listen to this interview, you will, you will come out of this completely understanding number one, why there was a lot of dislike of this guy. He has an incredible amount of confidence in himself that many I'm sure take as over cockiness. I mean, he flat out says that Vince McMahon was investing more time in me than any other superstar. And in the, on the one hand, this kind of mindset is what it takes to be a top star. There is no doubt about that in my mind. At the same time, that rubs tons of people the wrong way. And you could certainly look at Enzo as someone that, I mean, he pretty much says like he was isolated from the locker room. He confirmed that he dressed on his own uh, and he didn't care for any of the the bullshit etiquette of the the locker room. And by that, I mean, he presented it in such a way that he was not... Um, like trying to disrespect everyone, but that stuff like wrestlers court, this stuff that has been passed down, he just thought it was ridiculous. And he's like, I'm not going to participate in this shit. So you guys do your stuff. I'm going to do my own on my own. And he kind of, it just sounds like he totally excommunicated communicated himself from the locker room. Again, this is all Enzo's side that it's going to benefit his point of view, of course. Um, So he goes home after this and he starts working he said after the the incident with the villains where he snapped his neck, he realized at that point that his career could end at any point, and that's when he heavily started writing music and getting into the studio, and that's what he's done in his downtime, working with his younger brother, and who shoots all of his stuff, edits his videos. He doesn't want to sign with a label right now, but he believes he's going to be the biggest thing in rap music, um, and has a very strong belief of that. Um he talked about his relationship with Vince McMahon, who seemed very high on him. Um, and he blocked all of the Connecticut area code numbers in his phone. Uh, because when it's brought up about, you know, the the police department didn't go any further with their investigation. Austin saying, well, why don't you go back? And he says he has uh, sciatica in his back and he can't wrestle right now. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he has any interest in going back to wrestling at the moment, but said Had he not been let go, he would have continued wrestling until his body broke down. He never would have quit the WWE. And he talked about never walking around the locker room with eggshells. He dealt with Vince McMahon and showed Vince this 1,800-page book of lyrics and promos he wrote stating, you've invested this time in me. This is what I've 
I've invested in with my time. And he thought it, um, Vince McMahon was really impressed with him. That's, that was his read on things. He outlined this interview, this meeting he had with Paul Levesque in Toronto. He didn't state the time period, but it seemed like him and Hunter had a very rocky relationship. Um, Enzo's belief was that Hunter never wanted to go all the way with him because he just believed Enzo would fuck it up at some point. And they had like a screaming contest with one another at this meeting where Hunter just said, Enzo, you're not going to change the world when Enzo proclaimed he was someone that's going to change the world. And he yelled back at Hunter. Um, hmm. He outlined his, his creative at the time where it was, he was paired with Nia Jax and it was going to be revealed that he was, hooking up with Alexa Bliss uh, behind her back. And I guess that would speed up the Nia Jax-Alexa Bliss feud with Alexa Bliss uh, paired with Enzo. Right, and instead they maybe had to do this fat shaming thing that uh, right. they had to come up with as a reason for the two to not get along. Yeah, um, he said he got heat for hiring an agent in Barry Bloom um, and, and brought up the fact that so few guys in the locker room have agents. He mentioned uh, Lesnar, Jericho, Miz, Goldberg as the ones who have agents, and they do really well. So he got an agent, and he got heat for it. Uh, heat for it. Um, he clearly has a big disdain for wrestling writers and anyone that covers uh, this industry. Um, which, I guess, listen, he... I don't know what he could have expected from these past few months in terms of the coverage provided. I think he's very upset that people interviewed the accuser. Um, that's me speculating here. Um, to me, it was like, I know was, he, he she, mentions it in the rap video. Was she interviewed? She was interviewed on TMZ. Um, and she did some interviews um, in addition to what that. What has she said since this whole, whole thing, or I guess the investigation concluded? She has not spoken about it at all. Um to the best of my knowledge. I believe she's deleted uh, a bunch of her social media accounts um, and has been pretty silent on this whole thing. Um, so, listen, I, I thought the the whole coverage of it, I thought it was, you know, granted, I, I haven't read, read everything that's out there, but I think people presented, like, these are the allegations. Um, both, I'm sure people reached out to, to both sides. Enzo was not going to be speaking. Um, the accuser was interviewed. I think that you're trying to get the, the allegations and just kind of assess what the allegations are and what the case is. So I can see how Enzo, I mean, he is adamant that this did not happen. And if it didn't happen, I can understand him being very upset. Um, he made some, he insinuated without saying Titus's name that Titus's slip at the greatest Royal Rumble was a total work. And it was just Titus's way of getting people to write about him, which, hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and he just ended it by um, adding to the fact that the WWE, after firing him, asked for the Cruiserweight title back or else they wouldn't pay out his 90-day no-compete period. And he's written all of his music, and he knows he's going to be a major star, and he's cut out the middleman in doing so. Um, you get a very strong sense that this is an extremely strong, opinionated guy. Like, this guy has an enormous level of confidence in himself, his abilities, his talent, his value to the WWE. That, ego. A totally big ego. And I think, listen, big stars have big egos. And mm -hmm. he he did have something unique about him. I didn't think this was going to be a future WWE champion. Um, I think that there were just things that prohibited him. He was not a great wrestler, but he was an incredibly great talker. Um, I don't think anyone can deny that, but you listen to this interview and you can see the talent in this guy, but also how this guy could 
isolate himself from an entire locker room, save for a handful of people. Mm -hmm. Like you really get a sense of Enzo and all the stories you hear about him in this interview. So it was interesting just to hear him just share his side of things on the Austin show. Curious to, to, to think about how much more we'll be hearing from him on the wrestling side of things. Uh, if he is choosing from the sounds of it to pursue himself completely into a, a rap career, I... That sounds like it's his entire focus. I mean, I don't really expect to, to even hear mo- much more about him in the future. It's a good question. Um, I'm certain that there's going to be big offers, not just for him, but for him and Cass together. Yeah, but those two don't like each other, do they? Well, um, I'm sure they're going to get offers, though. Um, hmm. Yeah, so... Okay. I mean, um, yeah, I'm curious if anyone listens to this interview, what their thoughts are and how he comes off. Because I can see people having varying opinions. I think some will say, like, like this guy is clearly very steadfast in his beliefs, uh, maintaining his innocence in all of this. Um, and one of the lines he uses is that he broke his back for a company that when he needed them, didn't have his back. Um, when all this went down. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, a very divisive character as a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, crazy gene, quote unquote geniuses are. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Kanye West, you know, somebody like him who's uh, very outspoken and often will be, Maybe uh, rub people the wrong way. Uh, sometimes, if you're a fan of his, you question why you are a fan because of some of the things he says. Um, but uh, at the same time, very talented. So that you can't really doubt. Did we get any feedback? Yeah, we got two pieces. Okay, why don't you read them? Apologies again, everybody. Uh, we will try to get this up a little bit more on time in the future. This episode of SmackDown was rated by our voters at the for- Post Wrestling Cafe Forum. Uh, 6.4 out of 10. Chris from Virginia. First off, I wish we would have gotten a promo from Nakamura making a joke about the reported police dog incident from Monday's house show. In my mind, I'm imagining Nakamura rolling his eyes at the disgust that the dog and the officer didn't speak Japanese. So unfair. Regardless, this was a decent addition to SmackDown. I'm not a fan of Sanity losing their first main roster match as a unit. The Usos could have taken the loss. But I guess they wanted to get over Jeff's eyes open gimmick for the eventual Nakamura match. I was glad to see Becky and Rusev get wins to help build them up. I like the main event between Harper and Brian. Kane coming back to reform Team Hell No was fun, but it also made me realize how many people on this talent roster continue to be left off week after week. Do you guys believe SmackDown needs a superstars or a velocity type of show to help give their talent more TV or WWE network time? I don't know if those level of shows are going to do much. Um, to to help, like yes, it's TV time, but what quality of TV time is it? I mean, it would be an extension of NXT, wouldn't it, in front of a main roster audience? Like they, they they've got a very bloated SmackDown roster, and l- listen, there's positives to that. I don't have that same complaint about NXT. That's an hour every week, and it is special when you know a Gargano shows up because you know you're not getting him every week, and it's very rare you get a match from him. Um, I don't think they've quite found that formula at all on SmackDown, but it doesn't have to be this negative that you can't fit everybody on every single show, every single week. I would say on Raw, they pretty much get everyone on every week, and there's there's a lack of specialness then when you do have those people on constantly, and it's a very big, it's a lot of pressure when you're pushing a program that has to have an advancement every single week. It's true. 
Um, but you've got but three then, hours to fill. So. I mean, like, but but thinking about this edition of SmackDown, we didn't see uh, Nakamura, we didn't see Joe, we didn't see AJ, and those are three of your top stars that I watched SmackDown for. I didn't get any of them. So as a viewer, um, you know, some part of me feels like I'm not getting my my t- my invested times worth. You know, I was watching in preparation for our next rewind away. I was watching the Nitro before Uncensored '97, and it's the the spring break nitro at club la vila which is just such a like the, it's a tremendous setting maybe not uh the greatest setting for wrestling but it was a really fun nitro and one of the things you just watch how they they made this show it's a two-hour format at this point and you've got shivani who would be just listing off the stars that are going to be here tonight it's like tonight Ric Flair is here and he's just going through them. It's like, wow, it's, it's like you're building up to all these stars that are here and making time for them and just making them feel like big deals. And I just think there's, there's creative ways that you can work people into shows and also make them meaningful. If you just hear from, we're going to hear from Samoa Joe tonight. He's got something important to say, and it's just a two minute promo, but it's something significant that you state is worth television time that we are going to hear from Samoa. Samoa Joe is gracing us with his presence. We're going to hear from the world champion because now he's had a week to think about this next challenge that he's never had before in Rusev. Um, Just creative ideas. AJ is across the world. This, our world champion is in Australia at the moment, but he is going to join us tonight. We go to Matt from Melbourne, who is also in Australia. Melbourne. We, Melbourne. We, we've got to get used to. Seriously? Am I expected to say it like that, too? Hey, we That's have a, an, we have a like, lot of Australian listeners. They can weigh in. Isn't that like an accent thing, though? I don't think so. I think it's a pronunciation Melbourne? Thing. Melbourne. It just sounds weird. Prove me wrong, me. folks. Another good edition of SmackDown. Even without brand champions AJ and Carmella, who have been there in my hometown of Melbourne this week, promoting Super Showdown on just about every radio and TV station available. Both Becky Lynch and Rusev are enjoying a renewed push into the spotlight, and they seem to be making the most of their increased screen time. I didn't enjoy Sanity dropping so early into their debut, but I love the Team Hell No reunion. But where was the confetti after the hug? This gives Daniel Bryan a temporary distraction until we go full steam into a Miz program, starting hopefully at SummerSlam. Unless Glenn Jacobs loses his upcoming August 2nd election, then we might get this tag team run stretched out until Survivor Series, or possibly even the Royal Rumble. How about that? This guy has an election coming up that soon, and he's... What do you think about that? They Wrestling. Here this guy's getting this great push with a big baby face on national television ahead of a, ahead of an election. I mean, if he plays his cards right, it can help out. Certainly, it's not hindered his, his chances up until now. I'm not stating for him. I'm just asking, like, for Knox County. Like, where does this fall under, like, your your guidelines? That the the his opponent certainly doesn't have the same benefit or resources of this. Like, I do. I do have to, like, I would love to see some of those meetings where, like, Glenn Jacobs has to, like, you know... Everybody, if you're concerned, this is just something I do on Tuesdays. I fly right back. I'm right back into the office. I'm looking at your your tax reforms or whatever, budgets and all that stuff. This is just my once-a-week workout with my old friends, is how I imagine that he would say it. Uh, Oh, this just in. Oh. One last piece of feedback here. Chris also from Melbourne, Australia. I told you. SmackDown proves once again that two hours is the optimum time frame. Even without either AJ Styles or Carmella, the show didn't feel any less. 
Just a quick question, are you still watching 205 Live every week? The Cruiserweights no longer seem to be a part of any show, including pay-per-views. What happened? Has Vince given up after everything with Enzo as champion from January? I'm still watching it each week. I'm looking forward to watching uh, the Leo Rush debut this week, seeing what they do with him. Um, Yeah, I watch it every week. I don't regret that we're not spending time dedicated to it. I think that if... Yeah, I, I just think it kind of is not a necessary show. I think if you want to see some good wrestling, it has that. But it it's not a priority show for me each week. But I do watch weekly. I don't. Well, you're not missing a whole lot. All right. Well, this was fun. What is coming up this week on the site, Way? Of course, uh, a double dose of uh, WWE UK tournament coverage Mm -hmm. first of all from the british wrestling experience and these are people who have been following the careers of many of these participants for a very long time so definitely uh look for the analysis of uh, ollie benno and martin for uh all your coverage and as well maybe even a bit of irish (laughs) coverage maybe not this week i don't know British and beyond. They they cover a bunch of things. They cover like WXW, so it's not just the British scene. No, they are they are thorough. Mm-hmm. I love listening to those guys. And then on up next, Davey and Braden will also be chatting briefly about the WWE NXT slash UK tournament shows that have taken place over uh, the last week. What tremendous coverage we had this week oh, of yeah. these UK shows. Yeah. Any perspectives? Uh, NXT this week, do you know if it's another uh, set of tapings from TakeOver last no, week? It's no, it it's the new ones that oh, they okay. did last week. Cool, excellent. So, yeah. yeah, they'll be covering all that as well. And then Friday... On the Post Wrestling Cafe, we will have our monthly edition of Ask Away. Yes, where we take all of your questions and we will just sit here and we will fire through all of them, no matter how long it takes. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm off this weekend, Way. You are? Wow. Oh, you mean from doing shows? Uh, I'm away. Oh, you are? Where are you going? I'm going away to a cottage this weekend. Oh, nice. Did I not mention this to you? I don't think so. Oh, um, well, you'll be away, but maybe uh, on your drive up to the cottage, you can listen to our latest addition to the post-wrestling uh, roster of podcasts, and that's, of course, Chris Charlton's Eggshells Podcast Companion. So you're really not off at all, John, because his special guest this week is one John Pollock. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> I live this podcast. Maybe yeah. I'll listen back to it. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is uh, us discussing the Tokyo Dome shows from 1990, uh, which feature... The nineteen, the February nineteen ninety sh- legendary match, which has definitely been discussed this past week, the Stan Hansen, Big Van Vader, eye match. Oh wow! With Vader's eye coming out, the match that when Jordan Breen got high speed internet, one of his first thoughts was, "I get to watch when <laughs> Vader's eye popped out of his socket." Can I talk about going back to that interview? Jordan Breen? Jordan Breen is just a maestro with mm-hmm. his words. Yeah, really. He was uh, very kind to give me a lot of his time, and I went back. That piece would not have sounded the same without Jordan Breen oh, man. in there. Like, he was he, excellent. He was so great. Like, I I interviewed him for an hour, and I probably asked three questions. And Oh, you were Steve Austin to Zenzo? Is that yes. What uh, and I just sat back, and he just went... And he gave me so much. And when I went to listen back, I'm like, this works awesome. This works great here. Mm -hmm. This works here. It was just, anyway, 
A big thank you to Jordan and Chris Charlton. Well, the both of you did a great job. And I yeah. believe Jordan will be a part of the Eggshells podcast. Yeah, Chris has too. a great lineup yeah. of uh, guests coming yeah. up. Uh, this is going to be a 30-week series. Mm. Um, so we're only at week two. He's going to go all the way from 89 up to the present. Yep. Uh, Way is going to be popping on in the future. Yeah, brother Nate, a whole bunch of names uh, from the wrestling journalism industry. Kevin Kelly, I believe. Kevin Kelly as well, uh, right. stopping by. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, I don't know if we should be announcing this or not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, his, his his Patreon backers, I think, know. Okay. Well, then. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> we should take this. I don't know if they know that one. <laughs> it's late in the show. <laughs> okay. What, uh, sorry, Chris. but uh, this, I can't keep track of all this, this stuff. Way. This is a plug for his book. July 17th, it comes out on paperback and on Kindle. So. Eggshells. Pro Eggshells. Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Um, I have gotten an advanced copy. If you liked Lion's Pride, this is a... It's an outstanding book. Gotcha. It really is. All righty. So there you go. Uh, I'm not just saying that either because Chris is a good friend. If I didn't like Whoa. the book, I would just not talk about it. This is, of course, incentive also I love for it. everybody to join our G1 contest because the, at the end of the, the top three people who finish in our G1 contest will win signed copies of Eggshells. Signed copies mm-hmm. of the book. So look out. Yep. Lots of fun. All right. Postwrestling.com is where you can go for all of our news updates and postwrestlingcafe.com for all of our bonus shows, including Ask Away dropping this Friday. Uh, we'll chat with you later this week and uh, rest up Shinsuke Nakamura. Rough, rough. Ref.